You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. There's a new agent Tesla variant, lost credentials and crypto wallet hacks, tension between DevSecOps and AI, Fancy Bear makes an attempt on Ukrainian energy infrastructure, a look at no-name 05716, Tim Starks from the Washington Post Cybersecurity 202, Simone Petrella and Helen Patton discuss people as a security-first principle, and cybersecurity jobs seem to be getting tougher. Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. Fortinet describes a new variant of the agent Tesla remote access Trojan that's being distributed via malicious Excel documents. The attackers exploit a pair of long-patched CVE vulnerabilities in Excel to execute the malware. It's another case in which failure to patch leaves the door wide open to attackers. As Fortinet notes, despite fixes being released by Microsoft in November 2017 and January 2018, this vulnerability remains popular amongst threat actors suggesting there are still unpatched devices in the wild even after over five years. We are observing and mitigating 3,000 attacks per day at the IPS level. The number of observed vulnerable devices is around 1,300 per day. Cryptocurrency casino Stake.com has disclosed that hackers have stolen $41 million from its Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Polygon hot wallets, Bleeping Computer quotes the casino's statement about the incident as saying, We are investigating and we will get the wallets up as soon as they're completely resecured. User funds are safe. While Stake didn't explain how the intrusion and theft occurred, it's not the only cryptocurrency operation to sustain a loss, and some of the other cases may be instructive. Krebs on Security reports that another set of cryptocurrency thefts may be tied to the November 2022 breach of LastPass. Krebs cites Taylor Monahan, founder and CEO of MetaMask, who's found that a total of $35 million worth of cryptocurrency has been stolen from more than 150 individuals since December 2022. According to Monahan, the victims aren't newbies. He said... The victim profile remains the most striking thing. They truly all are reasonably secure. 
They are also deeply integrated into this ecosystem, including employees of reputable crypto orgs, VCs, people who build DeFi protocols, deploy contracts, and full-run nodes. Monahan and other researchers suspect that the hacks are due to attackers gradually cracking the leaked LastPass vaults. GitLab has published a report looking at the state of AI in software development, finding that 83% of those surveyed said that implementing AI in their software development processes is essential to avoid falling behind. However, 79% noted they are concerned about AI tools having access to private information or intellectual property. Additionally, 90% of respondents said they're already using or plan to use AI for software development, though 81% they need more training with AI tools. Turning to Russia's hybrid war against Ukraine, CERT-UA reported Monday that the GRU's APT-28, Fancy Bear, has attempted to compromise an unspecified energy facility with a phishing campaign that carries a malicious payload in a zip file attached to an email. If the attachment is opened, the victim is open to remote code execution. The phishing email is unusual, the record points out, in that the fishbait it dangles is gaudier than the stodgy and sober come-ons that have characterized much Russian phishing of Ukrainian targets. The text of the email often reads like this. Hi, I talked to three girls, and they agreed their photos are in the archive. I suggest checking them out on the website. Should the recipients incautiously do so, they'll be taken to some apparently innocent websites where the malware will be served up piping hot. CERT-UA says an alert user tipped them off to the phishing before any substantial damage was apparently done. The Record has published a report on the Russian hacktivist auxiliary no-name 05716. Like other such auxiliaries, they've specialized in DDoS attacks, most recently against financial institutions in Poland and Chechia. Compared to its peers, however, the Record finds no-name more disciplined, selecting targets and studying their vulnerabilities before initiating the attack. The group also doesn't rely on widely traded commodity malware, preferring to rely on its own bespoke tool, Didosia. The group lacks a public face analogous to Kilnet's noisy yet still mysterious figurehead Kill Milk. Who funds No Name remains unclear. It obviously acts in the Russian interest, with a preference for NATO targets. But there haven't been any obvious signs of money flowing to the group from the Russian government, according to the record. And finally, there are some curious cross-currents in the cybersecurity labor market. The first of these is a general shortage of cybersecurity workers. Tech Target's Enterprise Strategy Group and the Information Systems Security Association have published research looking at the cybersecurity workforce, finding that the majority of cybersecurity workers said their jobs have grown more difficult over the past two years. The problems about two-thirds of those surveyed report are both internal and external to their organizations. Externally, a more challenging set of threats and more onerous regulatory regimes have made the job tougher. Internally, workers say staffing shortages, tight budgets, and workload complexity have combined and made their careers more difficult. 71% of organizations say they've been affected by a shortage of workers with cybersecurity skills, 
And that, the report says, represents a dramatic increase from 57% in the last study. The labor shortage has increased cybersecurity team workloads and contributed to a high rate of staff burnout. Organizations say they have the most difficulty finding people qualified to work in application security, cloud security, and security analysis and investigations. Industry has long deplored cybersecurity labor shortages, so this study amplifies a familiar complaint. It's interesting, however, to see the tension between these reports of a tight labor market and a more recent trend toward layoffs by cybersecurity firms. Cybersecurity News reports that data from layoffs.fyi show that at least 46 cybersecurity companies have laid off 4,738 employees since the start of 2023. And those numbers are probably low since not all companies are required to report layoffs, and therefore many do not. Many of the layoffs followed mergers or acquisitions and therefore are unlikely to be composed entirely of cybersecurity specialists, but a significant fraction do affect cybersecurity workers proper. It's curious that these two trends seem to be simultaneous. It suggests that there are inefficiencies and irrationalities in a labor market that has yet to fully mature. up after the break, Tim Starks from the Washington Post's Cybersecurity 202, Simone Petrella and Helen Patton discuss people as a security-first principle. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. 
With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. There's a generally accepted principle in business that your organization is only as good as your people. Hiring the right people, training them, keeping them up to date, and investing in them are all critical to establishing and maintaining an effective and fulfilling workplace culture. Helen Patton is Chief Information Security Officer for Cisco's Security Business Group and author of the book Navigating the Cybersecurity Career Path. As part of a series of segments we call Solution Spotlight, our own N2K President Simone Petrella sat down with Helen Patton. Here's their conversation. Helen, we've had some great conversations in the past, and one of the things that I think we connected on immediately is our mutual belief that successful business outcomes are not possible without good people and a strategy to have good people. What in your own career path solidified this notion for you? Well, I think we've all had experiences where you uh, you join an organization and you join to do a specific role. You're very excited about the job that you're excited, you know, that you're, you've, you're joining for. And then you realize that you actually have to do this work in a community of people. And sometimes you luck out and the community of people think like you do and had share your values and work the way that you want them to. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes you're part of a team that where your immediate team thinks like you do. And this happens in security a lot. We have this sort of little bubble of people and they all think the same way and everyone feels great, but we're completely alienated from the rest of the organization who cares about different things and prioritizes things differently. And so in my own career, I've experienced all of these kinds of variations on this theme. And I really got to the point of of saying, if you're going to be a leader of security, you have to control that. Now, you can't control people and I get that. But you can have very intentional strategies around. And, of course, I remember the lessons that were the difficult lessons most easily, unfortunately. Um, but I've also been really fortunate to network with people who've got really great ideas. And so I'm, I am all about liberally stealing somebody else's good idea and applying it if I can do that. You actually wrote a book on this topic, and it was released in late 2021, um, just as we were all just kind of sitting at home, really learning a brave new world. But tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write about it in the first place. Well, so I had always thought that in my own career, I would either end up doing a PhD or I would end up writing a book. And I hit this point where I had a fork in the road, which one am I going to do? And I couldn't work out how to do a PhD and stay a full-time working adult. And so I decided to write the book. So that was that. And then the question was, what do you write a book about? Well, at the time I was the CISO at the Ohio State University. And when you are there, you're always getting asked for 
career advice. You get asked for career advice from people, from the students who are trying to hack into cyber for the very first time. But I also would be asked to talk to people who are already in security, but they were dealing with some issue. How do I deal with being a woman in security? And I found myself being invited for coffee to talk about these things. And what I was finding was, one, I didn't have enough tolerance for caffeine that I could meet with as many people as I wanted. (laughs) And two, the answers were mostly the same, right? Like you certainly, everyone's an individual, I get it. But from an advice perspective, you tend to start from the same point. So when I was thinking about what do I want to write a book about, I was thinking maybe if I wrote this down and my answers down, I could mentor at scale. One of the sections that has stood out most to me in our conversations as well, though, is the final section. You have it divided into three parts, and there's a lot that's geared towards the individual, but there's also a whole section on leading and for those who are starting to lead in cybersecurity. And a lot of the elements that you discuss is what goes into building and communicating a strong business case for a security program. It, It includes things like having a security strategy and building a diverse team, how to fund that strategy, how do you talk security to a non-security audience? I'm actually curious before we even get into kind of what should people do, what are some of the things you see today that security leaders make as mistakes that's standing in their way to preventing them from kind of having these principles widely adopted in their organizations? That question is like a whole thesis all on its own. (laughs) <laughs> like it's very, it's, there's lots. Um, I think the first thing I would say to answer that question is that security as a professional discipline tends to be everywhere in a business. It tend, you know, it, we, we tend to sit in technology and we might originate from technology, but we find ourselves working with legal or finance or HR or sales or development, whatever. We tend to be everywhere. And the tendency of a cybersecurity leader who isn't as mature is to try and be all things to all people. And it's really easy in the security space to find a reason where you should be involved in everybody's business. And at some point, you burn out. So being able to be clear on what kind of security person are you? Are you a more of a risk management kind of person? Are you a technologist who runs cybersecurity? technology? Are you somewhere in the middle? Do you come from a privacy background? Like understanding the kind of security person you are. I think the second thing is then knowing where your boundaries are, which I know is related, but there are some things you can control and there are some things you can't. And and I think being intentional about what you can do about the things you can control, great. That goes into your strategy that's where you spend your time. But being able to say, you know, this thing over here, this the way this leader thinks or the fact that I haven't got money right now or the, these things I can't control. So being able to then be able to let that go gracefully or being able to then have a reactive strategy to that is is really important as well. So those would be the first two places I would start. Well, and, you know, the, the old adage goes, you're only you only are as successful as the people that are around you. And that includes the team you built underneath you. But if we don't have the right team, it's going to actually contribute to that burnout. 
Yeah, for sure. This usually first comes up when people are thinking, do I stay an individual contributor or, or do I become a people manager? And so they're learning on the job. If they have any accountability, they realize that their failures as a manager has direct implications to the success and happiness of the people who are on their team. And some people go, yay, I love this responsibility and they rise to the challenge. And other people go, hell no, I didn't sign up for this. So, you know, understanding what it takes in terms of coaching and mentoring, there's a lot of parenting overlap, actually, that goes into people managers, right? Often as a manager, you don't feel like you've got a lot of time. So it's a big balance. It's a challenge. The last question I have for you is once you apply all those principles, or if you do apply all those principles, how do you measure whether the things that you're putting in place or those strategies are having the impact on the business or they're successful the way that you want them to be? There is no magic metric. I know there's mean time to detect and mean time to repair and and there's all those things. But I think whether or not you're successful is very contextual to the organization you're in. I think sometimes the measurement of success isn't a security metric. It, can, it should be. There's got to be something in that balance scorecard that is a security metric. But it might be something like the turnover rate of your employees. What's your voluntary turnover rate in your team? If it's super high, you're probably getting something wrong, right? Maybe if you're trying to do cultural change in the organization, you're going to measure the engagement of the non-security employees at your company with your security team. So, There isn't one metric, but for me internally within my own team, I am looking for engagement. You can spend your whole life trying to get the right metric and never find it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just goes to prove that it's a, you know, a hard, a hard problem and one that can't be solved overnight. As you said, there's no magic wand. Well, Helen, thank you so much for for joining me today and for those who are looking for an opportunity to read more on the topic, but Helen will still potentially get a cup of coffee with you. The name of the book is Navigating the Cybersecurity Career Path by Helen Patton. Helen, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's Helen Patton, Chief Information Security Officer for Cisco's Security Business Group and author of the book Navigating the Cybersecurity Career Path. She spoke with our own N2K president, Simone Petrella. And it is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Tim Starks. He is the author of the Cybersecurity 202 at the Washington Post. Tim, great to have you back. Dave, Dave, Dave. A <laughs> couple of uh, interesting stories uh, that you have shared on the 202 in the past couple days. Uh, first of all, a bit of a scoop here. You had the story of, uh, of Mudge uh, coming back to public service. What's going on here, Tim? Yes, the, uh, the, the famed hacker known as Mudge, uh, mm-hmm. born Zatko. Either, either name seems suitable to me. He has uh, decided to join CISA as a technical advisor. His real job will be to be a part-time person focusing on their Secure by Design initiative. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's the thing they've been working on to try to get software makers to, to, to put cybersecurity into the product as they're developing it, not just tacking it on at the end or making it a constant source of updates. 
So pretty big, pretty big scoop for them. Uh, you know, in terms of the higher scoop for me, scoop for them. Right. Uh, the the higher is a, is high profile one. He is a person who has um, significant credibility in our community, and and is coming off of being a, an employee who maybe you know people would be scared to hire uh, given given the the fallout that he had with Twitter as the big whistleblower of their security problems there when he was their security chief. He left, uh, filed a whistleblower complaint with. Uh, a number of federal agencies, and so uh, a, a bold hire a little bit too. It, it, you know, if in terms of you, you know he's going to be a truth teller, uh, you know he's going to be a truth teller perhaps at your expense. So right. uh, interesting development. Yeah, I, I, I raised my eyebrows a little bit at the fact that he's uh, part time. Uh, just it, it, is there such a thing in that sort of <laughs> position, right? Other, other than a name only, I, I can't imagine that uh, he'll be short on hours. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the uh, SIS has done this kind of thing before. I think they might have done it with Josh Corman, um, mm. where they've had people come in as these kind of outside advisors, help them in these roles, and, the, and then move on not long after. So I don't know how long he's going to be sticking around. He obviously had been had been showing some interest in staying in industry, uh, you know, working with Rapid7 after Twitter. So it might be a, a, a sort of thing where they had an opportunity to snag him for a bit, and, and they're taking advantage of the moment. Yeah. Uh, you recently spent time at the Billington Cybersecurity Summit, uh, and you wrote about uh, some comments from General Paul Nakasone. Uh, share with us that story. Yeah, so those of us who have covered uh, General Nakasone for a long time are, are probably well aware of how cautious he can seem when he's speaking publicly. Mm. Uh, he definitely wants to stay on track on what he's trying to say. This one felt a little bit more reflective for him. He's been running the Cyber Command. He's been running NSA since since 2018, and he was due to leave uh, this year, but but has been stuck in a, a Senate kerfuffle uh, mm. that is not of his making. That is of a, a, a general dispute over the military and abortion. So he's 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 a little bit stuck in the role, waiting to leave the role, and maybe that's that made him feel more reflective. The fact that he was revisiting a speech that he'd given five years ago at Billington itself. But he talked a, a, a good deal about about how different things were are now compared to where they were in 2018 and talking about the not just the threat picture from 2018 to now, but also the way the government has changed and also talked talked a bit about where he thinks things are going, the things he's has been working on as he's departing and, and where he's looking at the at the future of those two agencies. Some interesting comments about um, Russia and China and our relationship with those two in in the cyber realm. What, what did he say there? Yeah, so so one of the things you've, we've we've heard a lot from top cyber officials these days is that is that China is this generation, you know, this era defining cyber threat. Where I think he took it a little further than what we've heard from some other officials is that I think he referred to it as a a, a pacing uh, threat, and also talked about it being. Something that we're going to be having, I think he said, our children and our children's children are going to be dealing with as the the main competitive threat. Not just talking about it in the cyber context, but certainly including that cyber context. That was taking a little further, saying that this is going to be a really long term problem for the United States and cyber. And then talking about Russia as an acute threat, one that they're dealing with, you know, a more peaceful basis, probably perhaps a more urgent basis in certain ways. A little chance for him to brag a little bit about the way they feel as though they've been able to counter Russia's information operations in Ukraine just by just by speaking in them aloud, just by talking about them, talking about the existence of them and, and, and making it so that Russia feels like they're on the back foot. Hmm. And then quickly, uh, you covered the story here about um, Verizon uh, agreeing to uh, a $4 million settlement uh, with some allegations of coming up short in some government contracting. 
Yeah, kind of a late-breaking story uh, the other night. When I first read it, I thought it said $4,000. And I was like, that's not much of a fine for Verizon. I think <laughs> they'll be just fine. Uh, that's the money they find in the couch cushions, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, $4 million fine for uh, not following uh, some required cybersecurity standards. And uh, we'll see We'll see that, how much of a dent that puts in them. It's, I, I, don't know if, I actually don't know how much of a difference $4 million is for Verizon compared to 4000 but you know it's it's interesting. It's, I'm 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 making a joke, but it's it's interesting to see a company of that size being held to account. Um, I think I think it's a reflection of of this administration's uh, desire to to put people on notice that that not following uh, these cybersecurity standards is going to cost you. Yeah. And I, I found it interesting, you know, both sides of this sort of threading the needle of Verizon saying that we're we're not uh, really acknowledging we did anything wrong, and the government saying we're not acknowledging that uh, <laughs> that you didn't not do anything yes. wrong. <laughs> there's, there's a there's a weird sort of uh, dance that happens with these kinds of settlements and agreements. We we, we see them more often with the FTC uh, saying. Mm, we think you did this, but here's here's the the settlement, and then um, you know a sort of vaguely worded non apology uh, mm-hmm. that says we did maybe we did it maybe maybe we did maybe we didn't. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's a it's fairly standard in that regard. Yeah, interesting sort of regulatory shot across the bow, I suppose. Yeah, a little bit maybe a little bit rare to see it on the justice justice department side though. All right. Well, Tim Starks is the author of the Cybersecurity Two Hundred Two at the Washington Post. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Urban and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.